Before we get started, I wanted to let you know that the Women's Social Club chapters are open now in Atlanta, Boston, Charlotte, Chicago, D.C., Denver, Jacksonville, Florida, Memphis, Miami, New York City, Pasadena, California, Wilmington, North Carolina, with multiple chapters in Raleigh, North Carolina, and the surrounding areas. If you're in those cities, come join us at thewomensocialclub.co. And if you don't hear your location, visit our website and click start your own chapter. We'll see you soon and let's get to the show. I would have solely been focused on that one location, that one business. It would probably still just be a women in business focus. And I wouldn't have met all of the women that I have. I mean, there's no way it would be what it is. And it's turned into something so much better. So I'm a hustler, streamless, love dealers. I'm that kind of girl. Work hard, play hard, for my own heart, might just rule the world. Welcome to the Women's Social Club, a women supporting women group where we make it easier to connect with new friends and our communities while supporting local women-owned businesses. I'm Hannah Weisberg, and you're listening to episode one, where I'm going to give you inside access to how the Women's Social Club began, how it's grown, where we're at now, and the plans for connecting women throughout the country. But instead of listening to me the whole time, I brought in an absolute pro to take the host seat for the first episode. Kathy Hanrahan is the lifestyle editor at WRAL and the host of the WRAL Out and About podcast. She's interviewed celebrities such as Joan Rivers, Lance Armstrong, Morgan Freeman, and B.B. King. But those are great stories for another day. Here's Kathy. Hi, I'm Kathy Hanrahan from WREL Out and About. And I just want to thank you, Hannah Weisberg. You asked me to interview you for your first podcast. And the idea that I get to be the one to interview you, (laughs) I feel at this point, I feel so proud (laughs) to be able to talk to you and honored because you have got an amazing story. And I feel like you're inspirational for other women. Well, I'm really excited to be here and to have you be the person to interview me for, I mean, this is such a milestone for the business and the community. So I wouldn't have asked for anything else. I just feel like you, you know, we have, especially being covering women for so long. I've covered Out and About. I've covered Go Ask Mom and done all this stuff. And I've met with so many moms and and female business owners. And I feel like there is just a need for us all to connect. And I feel like you do that. You help bring us all together. So thank you for doing that. Thank you. That's the goal. I mean, it's amazing. You, Hannah, you manifested this business. It was like you were like, let's just do something. Let's build it. And now it's grown to how many markets? How many places are you in? We're in five markets currently. How did you come about with the business? So the Women's Social Club was initially supposed to be a part of my original brick-and-mortar business, Devon Olive Mercantile. We primarily did workshops and events there, working with a lot of local women-owned businesses and makers as our event partners because a lot of people didn't have their own space, and we love to host events. So it was a way of bridging the two. And so the Women's Social Club was really initially supposed to be a women in business community. So we were going to do co-working in our space and once a month have meetups where we would have a woman in business come and share and do a social. Our first event was supposed to happen on March 19th, 2020. 
So uh, <laughs> it didn't happen, I assume. Uh, you weren't able just before you were going to get social. They said, please don't be social. They yes. said, socially distant. So how did that affect everything? Did it just kind of... Immediately, my business, literally, we lost everything in a week. But how long had you been in business? So we had started just over a year. We transitioned from like a coffee and wine bar to a full event and workshop space. And we had booked out the space for the entire year of 2020. But you at least had a place to go hang out when you were... <laughs> I mean, that's yes. Just, it's unfortunate, though, the timing, but it did give way to a whole nother business. So tell me about how that kind of evolved. So I felt sorry for myself for about two solid months. And As after, you should. <laughs> yeah, I do. That was okay. Yes. And one of the things that I developed in the time of building Dove and Olive was really tight-knit relationships with other women entrepreneurs. And it was in speaking with them and specifically a business coach who used to come into Dove and Olive to meet with clients. I hired her, work well with Kate. That's her handle. She sat with me and I was like, I feel like the Women's Social Club can still be a thing. But instead of it being a women in business thing, I feel like right now we just need relationship. I don't know what that looks like, but can you help me like get this out of my head? And that's kind of how it all started. Well, I mean, I think that we need to be around each other. So I mm -hmm. think the social element of it was definitely spot on, without a doubt. How did you go from that point to launching it? So she helped me come up with the plan for doing two events a month. And because we didn't really know what it was going to be, and you couldn't be inside anywhere, I think the max number of people you could have in a group was 15. So I maxed out memberships at 15, and we would go to Dick's Park, and everyone would come. We would do yoga, kombucha tastings, coaching sessions, and we would just have time to sit and talk. And a lot of times we would talk about nothing for hours. I mean, we would literally close the park down. And it was the best. And it was in that time from September 2020 to December 2020 where we would literally freeze to death sitting outside, but it showed how desperate we were for a relationship that no elements could keep us apart. Because you were finally able to be around people who you did not live with mm -hmm. and who you were seeing. I mean, you were seeing the same people. 24-7, locked in your house with your kids doing virtual school, working from home, you needed to talk to someone who you did not see 24-7. Absolutely. You had to. Yes. And they helped, those 15 founding members really helped build what the Women's Social Club is today. Because during those first four months, we kind of talked through, okay, what can this be? Like, there are so many people on our wait list. How do we continue to grow this? And starting last year in January 2021, we started meeting at Y Hill. So Sarah Abernethy, she's been a huge part of a support system for us. They let us hunker down there three times a month. They didn't charge us for the space. And there were 20 to 25 of us that would come on their patio and we would do all kinds of events, workshops, coaching sessions, dinners. And for the first five months of 2021, that's what we did. And then as things started opening up and vaccinations started happening and life started becoming bigger again, now it's snowballed. And now we've started scaling it to where we can take this to other cities. So how many cities are besides Raleigh? Tell me about some of the other cities. 
So right now we're in Raleigh, Wilmington, North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, Boston, Massachusetts, and Jacksonville, Florida. So why those markets? Is there something specific that you noticed in those markets or was it just demand or how did you decide? Demand is what leads us. So we have what we call our chapter map page on our website and there are 13 markets there listed. And that's based on how many inquiries we've received from those specific cities. And so once we get about 15 to 20 people writing in, we create a page on our website so they can add themselves to a wait list. And that way, once we find a chapter director to help launch the market, we already have this audience to tap into. So when you become a member, when your market opens up and you're a member, what, how does that work? What is the process of being a member? So we always start each market with a free happy hour meet and greet. And so that gives people a chance to come and experience what the Women's Social Club is even before our our actual ticketed events start. But we start by hosting one event, one paid event a month, and that continues to grow as we continue to sell out. That tells us, okay, we need to start adding more events because... We need more things for people to sign up The for. market demand is there. Yes. So tell me about like the events. Do you have to pay to become a member of the club? Do you have to pay to go to the events as well? Like what are some of the perks and process? So yes, we have a $35 a month subscription monthly, and that goes to the creation of the club. So it goes to all of the staffing, organizing, planning. And then our ticketed events, everyone pays a price. The member ticket is a reduced rate. And then visitor tickets are the full rate. Those costs go back to our event partners. And that's how we price those events. What type of events do you have kind of coming up and what can people expect? So we have such a mix. When I say, I mean, we do everything from floral arranging. We have an aqua resin workshop coming up in Boston. We do trivia nights. And we have meal experiences. So we do everything from dinners and brunches and happy hours, again, to like dance workshops or nutrition and coaching sessions. It's very much tapping into the different local maker and entrepreneur scene in that city. So it's very tailored to kind of where you are. Yes. And do you also get feedback from different members about what things they'd like to see or experience and maybe work those into the program? Absolutely. So we do surveys with our members and we ask them those questions. So like, what would you change? What wouldn't you change? And part of our event ticket system now, after every event, you receive a notice where you can rate the event and send us feedback. Like an exit ticket. Yeah. So you can kind of know what it is that they liked and maybe didn't like or, or, or what they would pay for again. Yes. So it fits in. Yes. So I think it sounds like a lot of fun. What is your age range kind of in there? Is it a lot of young professionals? Is it older women? Is there a a great kind of a stretch in the market? Yeah, I think the best thing about our club is we don't have a specific group of people. And that's kind of what makes it so magical is you have such a range in ages. We have people who've just graduated college and we have people who are empty nesters for the first time. And we had a pool day experience this summer and you have people you know, just sharing really cool life experiences together and being able to give advice from people who've been through seasons of life that maybe you haven't reached yet. 
And then also reinvigorating people who are in a new chapter, like empty nesters and giving them like this jolt of like, I get to go explore and experience all these new things now that I have time to do that. From Dove and Olive closing until now, you have been through a lot. That's a lot to take in. Can you tell me, kind of walk me through that a little bit and where you are at this point? Yes. So I mentioned taking a couple of months to really feel sorry for myself, but it wasn't all bad. I feel like it was really hard at first because some of my friends who were entrepreneurs and starting their business, their businesses actually skyrocketed during the pandemic because of the style business it was. And I lost everything. I almost lost my house, to be honest, because we had a loan that was tied to the Dove and Olive business, and we took out a second mortgage on our house. So when I say we lost the business, I refunded all of our events for 2020, a full calendar, and we were down to close to nothing. So that was really hard. It's terrifying. That's, I mean, yes. that's, I mean, not only what was going on in the world outside, yes. but what was going on inside with you like that. I mean, I can't imagine being in that situation. I mean, that's devastating on so many levels. Yes. And we have a son. So he was six or seven when the pandemic started and in that time frame. So he was also scared and confused about what was going on. So having to balance my anxiety and fear of not knowing what was going to happen while also staying calm for him was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. And then I started listening to podcasts, ironically enough, and I listened to quite a few. My favorites were the Boss Babe podcast and Jenna Kutcher, primarily because they were talking with other women-owned businesses, and that's where I was needing to be fed a little bit. And a lot of the stories I was hearing were how they started were, this failed, this failed, this failed, but then this idea came out. And so... I would take my son to the pool, so it was summer by this point, and I would take my earbuds and I would take a notebook and I would listen to these podcasts and I would just write and write and write and write. And I would write down all of the ideas I was having about the Women's Social Club and what that could mean and community and it just kind of started to evolve from there. That's amazing, though, that we all have stories of failure. And it kind of, I mean, you'd have to fail at one thing in order to succeed at another sometimes in order for the world to kind of, and the universe to push you in the direction you needed to be in. Do you think that that was kind of one of those things that had to fail so that you could find this? Absolutely. I mean, I was so tied to one space with Dove and Olive that the Women's Social Club would never be what it is today. I would have solely been focused on that one location, that one business. It would probably still just be a women in business focus. And I wouldn't have met all of the women that I have. I mean, there's no way it would be what it is. And it's turned into something so much better. I would never want to go through it again to get here. To get here. But it ended (laughs) up working out. Yes, Yes. So there was good that came from that. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with more information about the Women's Social Club. Let's take a break to tell you about our sponsor, Industrious. Industrious is your all-in-one solution for co-working, private offices, and on-demand meeting space. With over 160 locations globally, 
Industrious is committed to providing an unparalleled work experience, all-inclusive amenities, and flexible terms to support teams of all sizes and stages. Just like Women's Social Club, Industrious is all about community and connection, and maybe some happy hours as well. Head on over to industriousoffice.com and use promo code WSC for a free week of co-working. That's industriousoffice.com, promo code WSC. All right, let's get back to the show. So I am back with Hannah Weisberg, the founder of Women's Social Club. And we were just talking a little bit about how she made this into a really fun business. If you like to interact and just meet new people and learn something new. I like the floral arrangement stuff. I like to learn new things. I, I need to go to one of these things because I need to learn something. I mean, I feel like it's never, you should never stop learning. I mean, I feel like that's a huge component of what you guys do. So tell me more about if you're going to like your first women's social club event, what should you expect if you're a new member? So when you walk into our events, one of the things that makes us different from a typical networking group, you're not walking into many groups of people who are standing off to the side and no one's greeting you or welcoming you. This is very much an environment where you walk in and we honestly can't wait to greet you, find out more about you, facilitate conversation and introductions for you and whether they're other new members that are coming to their first event or founding members who've been here for a while. It's very much a, a welcoming atmosphere. So tell me about some of the experiences, like some of the ambassadors that you've spoken to and maybe some of your directors. Tell me about them. What made them want to get involved with the whole program? So the chapter directors are truly the key to what each chapter is. It's nice because each chapter is a little bit different because it is based on the chapter director. They're the ones who plan and execute everything for their markets. We are here as a support system, but they're the ones who come up with all the things. So the chapter directors, typically, they are either existing members. For Raleigh example, we had that market. So she was an existing member, Lauren was. And she stepped up when we had the opportunity. And I secretly messaged her and I was like, I was so excited when you volunteered. You're <laughs> top of mind. I actually had you in mind. So in other chapters where it's brand new, the chapter directors will fill out an application and go through an interview process. We have a super clean onboarding process to get them up to speed. We have a guidebook for them to follow. And then ambassadors, they get a free membership. So ambassadors are typically members within the club. They help with day of leading. So our chapter directors don't have to lead all of the events that they're planning. That would be hard, especially yes. if you've got so many events in a month. I mean, that's got to be overwhelming. How far out do you plan your events? Two um, months. Two months. So people can look at it and go, okay, this is two months out. So you're looking ahead now, probably looking at January, February, thinking about what you're going to be doing for that. Yes. So our members get first look and first access to sign up for all of our events. On the first of every month, we send out a member email and it will have, so for example, our October or November email just went out and it had all of our November and debuted the December events. And then those will go live on our website on the 10th of the month. 
So yes, our chapter directors are planning right now for our January and February events, which is crazy to live. Valentine's. Yes. Valentine's. <laughs> You're like, it's still fall outside. It's still fall. I know, right? <laughs> I know. I was at Biltmore watching, you know, Christmas being put up before like Thanksgiving happens. I mean, we are talking about the holidays before we're talking. You know, it's like one of those things where you have to plan. When you're planning the holiday events, you have to plan months ahead of time. So it's great to hear you guys have that system worked out. How do you go about doing partnerships with businesses? Can businesses do sponsored events with you guys? Or do you guys seek out a lot of the businesses and and request, hey, we'd love to do an event. You know, we love what you guys are doing. It's kind of a mix. So in existing markets like Raleigh, where People have heard about us from other businesses. A lot of times we'll have people reach out to say, hey, would you guys want to host a baking workshop with us or different types of events? And so that's when Lauren, our chapter directors, will reach out and they'll mix it into whatever they had on their planning list. And then with our newer markets, typically our chapter directors will reach out. Typically who applies to be a chapter director is someone that is plugged into where they live, even if they're newly moved there, which, I mean, wasn't planned, but a lot of our chapter directors are actually new to the cities that they're leading and living in. Well, it helps them get to know the city as well. It's a great way of introducing it. Yes. So they reach out a lot to the event partners, and it's places that they've either wanted to try but didn't have anyone to go with them, or they've tried and really loved it. So We try to partner primarily with women-owned businesses, especially for our workshop experiences. There are so many makers and artisans in all of these cities that don't necessarily have their own spaces, but they have amazing talent, and it's really fun to learn how they do what they do. And part of what we do when we do events is hearing their stories. So yes, we get the hands-on element experience, but we also get to hear their journeys and stories and getting to where they're at. It's so interesting. And I feel like you're going back to a lot of where your roots are with this whole thing. You know, you wanted to focus on business. You wanted to get to know makers. There's so many different things. And it's like you kind of incorporated all of that and just made into this little traveling show. Yes. Um, (laughs) So, I mean, I I just think it's great. You manifested it. I mean, that's what I think. Did you have a little vision board? You were sitting there just like putting it together because I feel like you, you really did create something. I think it was one of the things where I just started doing and not everything always worked out. I mean, I've done events where I'm like, I probably wouldn't do that again. Or if I did it, it would be different. For example, some restaurants are extremely loud, so it's hard to have group conversation. So you're like, maybe we'll ask to be in a private space if we come back here next time, or we'll make sure the group is smaller for this location. So You just learn as you go, and I always encourage people who have ideas or feel like they have this calling to just do it, because once you do it, like, you're doing it, and then you learn as you go. If you hesitate and you think about it too much, you may not end up doing it because you're overthinking it. Exactly. What has been some of your most popular events that people, you know, what type of events do people just seem to love? Our meal events sell out so quickly. I mean, we intentionally keep them small, so the max number is like 12 to 15. But, I mean, really the sweet spot is 8 to 10. But those sell out a lot of times with members before we can even post them to the site with visitor tickets. And I think it's because those are the events where you really get to know each other. And it really depends on your personality. So sometimes for your very first event, a workshop might feel more safe because 
you have an activity, there's something guided. You know, what, you know what's planned of you, you know what's expected. I'm yes. going to do this. Yeah. Yes. And then the meal events, we have our leaders there and we call it our round table format. So the goal is for everyone, no matter where you're sitting, we go around the table, we have a theme or a topic for the for the evening, and we go around and we share real things about what's going on presently. And so everyone's able to introduce themselves, share a little bit about themselves. So when you leave, you feel like you have a very real idea of who these people are. And you really form relationships pretty quickly that way. It's like that. You kind of connect to people and you gravitate toward the people that you would naturally gravitate toward. You may wouldn't have met them outside of that event. But personalities just sometimes connect and you end up finding a friend like us. Yes. Like, wow, we're besties. Yes. Is there anything else you want people to know about Women's Social Club? I think just not putting parameters on it. The amount of times that we're asked, you know, what's the age range? What kind of job do I need to have or, or anything like that? There's none of that. If you're a woman who wants to meet other women and you're looking for relationships and fun things to do in the city, join us. You mentioned podcasts, mm-hmm. and you do have a podcast. So I want to talk with you about, number one, were you inspired by some of the podcasts you would listen to? And number two, tell me about your guests and, and what people can expect. The Women's Social Club podcast, the goal with that is to expand on the experiences that people get to be a part of when they come to our events. So a lot of what we do that I mentioned before is with our events, we have our partners or speakers share their stories. And that's my favorite part of everything that we do. So I love the workshops and the hands-on element. But the time that we get to hear the real vulnerable backstories that, I mean, you don't get to read in the magazines, in the papers, or see on TV. And that is what got me through my downturn, was hearing other women be vulnerable and share those real truths. And I think so many of us are focused on showing, oh, well, I made it here and it was all worth it. But we don't talk about, oh, my God. You have like, to talk about the ugly stuff. You <laughs> yeah. have to because if you tell about your ugly time, the time when you felt like the world was just falling apart, that's going to help someone else who was that yes. in the trenches right there. I yes. Mean, that's the point. Exactly. Because it's proof that it's possible. And no matter if it's a different industry or if it's a different location or anything like that, it's just hearing other women, how they got through what they got through. And seeing women that are extremely successful, they still have challenges that come up. There's no level of success that you get to where your problems just magically go away. And when you have someone who's leading the event and they set the tone with this realness, then even if it's your first event, it automatically creates this environment of vulnerability. And then we all are like, like, I don't have to put on my show for everyone. It doesn't have to be the Instagram (laughs) version of, you could take the Instagram version of yourself and kind of put it down. Exactly. Because that's the thing I think we show, especially on social, we show the pretty stuff. We don't show the other part of the house that looks like a tornado hit it. Yes. You know, I mean, it's like, look, I'm with my kids and we're all enjoying. But you're not seeing the fact that my kid just threw everything yes. on the floor and drop kicked this or that or they were just yelling at each other or all of this stuff. And it's OK to be messy. And the podcast is really going to be an expansion on that. So because during the events we have like a short window of time or there's a lot going on, 
we're not able to really get into the nitty gritty of some of their stories and journeys. So the podcast will be an extension of that. So even if you were able to go to an event and hear this particular person share, it's going to be a little bit juicier and meatier on the podcast because we're going to dive into more details of their stories. It's a bonus. I mean, it's like the bonus behind the scenes stuff that you couldn't get to, but it's a little bonus elements, you know, people. It's good stuff. Well, I'm excited for you. How often will the podcast be available for download? So it will be coming out weekly starting in January 2023. Exciting. Thank you so much to Kathy Hanrahan for being our guest host on episode one. Be sure to check out her podcast, WRAL Out and About, on any podcast app and leave her a rating and review. And don't forget to subscribe now to this podcast on your favorite podcast app or at thewomensocialclub.co. We'll take a rating and review too if you don't mind. Also, follow us on social media where you'll find video clips of this podcast as well as Women's Social Club's events throughout the country. We're at Women's Social Club on both Instagram and TikTok and at The Women's Social Club on Facebook. This podcast is edited and produced by EarFluence. I'm Hannah Weisberg, and on behalf of everyone at The Women's Social Club, we can't wait to welcome you into our sisterhood. We'll see you again soon with the next episode.